You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, the Sacramento Kings bench nearly pulled off a miracle of monumental proportions last night, checking into the game with 8-14 remaining down 118-91. The reserves go on a massive run, cut the lead down to just three points, but can't finish the deal. The Los Angeles Clippers were the better team for the majority of the night, and they get the W 127 to 118. We have full recap of this game and more right here on the Locked on Kings podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Locked on Kings. This is your daily podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage each and every single weekday in bite-sized format. If you're looking for highlights, interviews, in-depth analysis, game breakdowns, we have it all right here for you. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host each and every single day here on the Locked On Kings podcast. I'm from Sports 1140 KHDK, which is the flagship radio station of the Kings in Sacramento. And we were all going nuts on KHDK last night watching the Kings bench salvage something out of what was a pretty dry and dreary Sacramento Kings performance. Before we dive into all the juicy details of this game and break it down quarter by quarter, storyline by storyline, I have the highlight package courtesy of the G-Man Gary Gerald that was played on KHDK last night for you to enjoy. I will be playing that in a little bit. Before I do that, though, I want to let you know that you can join the conversation here on Locked On Kings. This is not just a forum for myself to uh, speak Kings and you listen. This is a communication zone. I want you to join in the conversation right now on social media at MattGeorgeKHDK. See how you can reach me. You can also tweet using the hashtag LockedOnKings. Also, if you want to email me, if you're not on social media, uh, you can do that mgeorgeatsaclocalmedia.com. If you're on other areas of social media, Facebook, you can find me on there. Also, Instagram, Matt George KHTK. Without further ado, before we jump in and break down this game, here is some of the highlights, courtesy of the G-Man, Gary Gerald, and Sports 1140 KHTK. Our side of the floor, Gilgis Alexander. He decides he'll try the rainbow three, and he hits it. The 19th one that he's made in 50 attempts. Pretty good percentage right there, 38% from downtown. And the Kings find themselves in just a bit of a hole at 9-3. to three. Gilgis Alexander finds a seam, uncontested layup. He got a step on Yogi Ferrell and made that look ridiculously easy. Bogey straight away, quick release for three. There's the first one of the night for Sacramento. It took them 10 attempts before they got one to fall. Bogdan makes it 50-32. to 32. Fox pops out on the right side and takes the feed and finds Coley Stein at the top of the foul circle. Fakes the handoff and it's knocked out of his hands. Stolen. Turnover, the Kings. They run it ahead. Willie knocks it away to Justin Jackson who loses it. Going strong. Two-hand flush. Coming baseline right. Montrez Harrell. Good effort defensively after they turned it over to try to get it back. Nearly succeeded, but Harrell ends up with the bucket. It's now 52-32. to 32. Fox drives, scores again, coming down the left side of the lane. De'Aaron Fox is trying to create a spark. He's now four for six. He goes into double digits with 11 for Sacramento. Here comes Fox inside, twists and scores as he came diagonally across the lane from left to right, and he had a little tough fade. De'Aaron now six of 10 from the floor. He has 15 points to lead Sacramento in scoring. Tobias into the lane, Harris kicks it out, Lou Williams for three. Oh my, he hits it. Yeager calls timeout. 
Well, just as the Kings had made that push to get it to 10, how do the Clippers respond? They score seven straight. They are back in command. They've hit the century mark with a minute 33 still to play in the third quarter. They lead it 100 to 83. Important for the bench guys, they get the opportunity with these minutes, and even though it's against the Clippers bench, you want to make a strong showing. You want to impress your coaches. You want to bring a little momentum back, something to feel good about on a night when there hasn't been a lot to feel good about. And a terrific job by Harry Giles off the dribble against the big fellow Mojanovic, rolling down inside and scoring with the left hand. Makes it 118-103. The Kings have scored 10 straight points. 4.15 to go. Here's Giles with a steal attempt. Knocks it away from Boban. Harry grabs it. Harry to the rack. Harry with the rickmacker. Timeout going to be taken here by Doc Rivers. How about Harry Giles there with back-to-back -back buckets? And that one, it was a takeaway just inside the midcourt line that led to the open floor opportunity. Giles now straddles the arc, hands it to McLemore. Rocks in rhythm, shoots for three. He's got another one. Ben McLemore knocking down his second three-pointer. It's 119-113. 119-113, Kings on a 22-1 run. Yogi Ferrell with a pull-up. He hits the 16-footer straight away. It's 119-115, 10 to go in regulation. Clippers really deen it up. Mason steps back, launches for three. He's got the triple. It's a three-point one-possession game at a 121-118 and a minute 11 left in the contest. Kings bench across the way, standing, watching Lou Williams just holding the ball, trying to milk the clock. Now inside the final minute, he wiggles to his right, accelerates, off-balance floater is up and in. Big basket, of course, from Lou Williams, who's now got 24. Off the iron, no good, chased down by Gallinari in the final couple of seconds will tick away this one is over but not before the young kings had a great and gallant push and doc rivers had to go back to the starters and they were able to hang on and get the win getting four of the last six points from the free throw line and the final score is 127 to 118. So this Kings and Clippers final score is a disingenuous final score in two major different ways. First and foremost, 127 to 118 doesn't tell the story of really how dominant the Clippers were for the majority of this game through those first three quarters. And then it also doesn't tell the story of how the bench came back and how close they got it and made a game of it. If you were just to look at the final score, 127 to 118, you would think, okay, the game was back and forth, but the Kings lost by nine. The Clippers won comfortably and, and were pretty much in control. And they did score a lot of points late uh, from the free throw line as the Kings had to play the foul game to try and complete or have a chance uh, to complete the incredible comeback. Uh, but the Kings reserves, I mean, full applause to them. And we're going to talk about them more uh, in just a little bit because they came into a game, made the most out of their minutes. Everybody stepped up and made an impact immediately in the final eight minutes of the game. Usually when those reserves come in, when a coach empties the bench, it's them waving the white flag. Head coach Dave Yeager puts these guys in to give them valuable minutes. And again, they make the most of it. They take advantage uh, of a Clippers team that was kind of in cruise control a little bit and forced them to make some big shots and make some big plays. You heard, heard Lou Williams hitting that massive three uh, there to end the Sacramento Kings insane run 27 to 3. The Kings bench run is that's the run they went on really through the final uh, or for the through seven of the final eight minutes. Just an incredible push. Uh, and again, we'll talk about that more in a little bit, but let's start at the very beginning of this game. No defense. 
Just no defense whatsoever from a Kings team that was taking on a team uh, in the Clippers that's only a, a game ahead of them in the standings, one spot ahead of them in the standings. A little disappointed that the, the Kings team uh, came out of the gate kind of sluggish and as slow and in cruise control uh, as much as they were. You could see the Los Angeles Clippers, who were only 3-7 and seven over their last 10 after the ridiculously hot start. Uh, they came out of the gate with a, with a fire, with an energy, especially the guards from the perimeter. Shea Gildress-Alexander had 8 points in the first couple minutes of the game. Uh, he had a great game against De'Aaron Fox uh, earlier on in the season in Sacramento. Had another good game, or at least a good start against Fox here uh, in this one. And then and the, offensively, the Kings put themselves in a hole early. They got a lot of good looks, got a lot of good opportunities from three-point range, but just were not cashing in whatsoever. And Kings did finish 10 of 30 from three-point range, 33%. But in the first half, they shot just under 8%. From three-point range. They just could not get anything to drop. And they were getting good looks. They were getting good opportunities. The shot just wasn't falling. And then on the other end of the floor, they had no defense whatsoever to be seen. The Clippers scored 39 points in the first quarter and 32 points in the second quarter and 31 points in the third quarter. Just far too much scoring and, and scoring with ease by this Los Angeles Clippers team. And they were pretty well balanced. They didn't have anybody, uh, at least in the starting lineup, really blow you out of the water. You got 17 points that led the starters uh, from Tobias Harris. Avery Bradley gave you 15. Gildress Alexander giving you 13 points. But it was Montrezl Harrell and Lou Williams off the bench that made the absolute difference. Now, we know Lou Williams is the sixth man for this team. He's the volume scorer. more than capable of starting at the two-guard spot on a lot of teams. But Doc Rivers loves to bring Lou Williams off of the bench, and you can understand why. He comes in fresh, provides instant scoring and instant offense, whether it's from three-point range or attacking the basket. Lou Williams is, is definitely something to watch, but not as fun to watch as Montrez Harrell is. And you got to love just the passion, energy, hustle, and effort that Montrez Harrell plays with on a nightly basis. And I tweeted this out last night. You know, it really reminds me of Kenneth Fareed. Uh, Kenneth Fareed was the manimal, right, in Denver. He was that that piece that, that came off the bench or sometimes started for that Denver Nuggets team. And he was the hustle and effort guy. He did score, uh, but mainly he was known for grabbing rebounds, play, being very active on the defensive end, always being involved in the play. And if there was a loose ball, the majority of the time he was getting it. That's Montrez Harrell's game, except Montrez Harrell also adds, uh, in my opinion, a refined and better offense uh, than what uh, Fareed can can provide and has provided throughout his career. Now, we saw Kenneth Fareed get that massive contract, get a little bit uh, into some injury issues, and then his drop-off was pretty steep. So you hope that doesn't happen for Harold. It's on a, a very, very affordable contract as of right now, but the Los Angeles Clippers have to love what they like and or love what they see, excuse me, and they, uh, they, they've been giving him appropriate minutes, even though he is consistently coming in off the bench. He started behind uh, Boban, and you can understand why the Clippers are doing that. Two of their best players come in off the bench for this team, and that's what's made them successful through a lot of this season. Also, the Los Angeles Clipper, uh, Clippers are now 12-4 and four at home. They've been playing very, very well uh, on their home floor, and the Kings just did not match well, up well and really had no answer. A lot of that was because Buddy Heald had another bad game. Buddy Heald went 0 of 7 from three-point range in the first meeting against the Clippers. In this game, he went 0 of 6 from three-point range, 4 of 18 from the field. He had the tough task of going against Avery Bradley, who I think is one of the more underrated players in the league. Now, I don't think he's a star or as good as many thought he was going to be early on in his career when he played in Boston, but Avery Bradley is a phenomenal 
exterior perimeter defender, a, a Tony Allen type player without the size or really that that attitude. But Avery Bradley just is a a nuisance and has really given uh, Buddy Heald a lot of uh, a difficult time off the ball and on the ball. You can see him denying uh, Heald opportunities to come off of screens, catch and shoot, uh, not giving him any space whatsoever, which I'm surprised more teams don't do that uh, and more teams could do that if defenders played with the effort that Avery Bradley plays with on the defensive end. But he seems to have Buddy Heald's number at least so far this season. And when Buddy Heald's not scoring, uh, this Kings team is not going anywhere. Now, De'Aaron Fox had a decent game, 19 points, 9 assists, also had a couple of steals, and he was really the only Kings offense in that first half for the majority of the first half. So that was good. Defensively, though, he wasn't good whatsoever. And I, I got into it, and I was going back and forth with some uh, some Kings fans. Somehow last night, once again, I found myself uh, being the defender of Willie Cauley-Stein. Uh, and I think my point was 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 misconstrued a little bit. I wasn't forgiving Willie Cauley-Stein uh, for his lack of interior defense at times. However, I was holding the guards just as responsible as, as fans want to hold Willie Cauley-Stein. Uh, to be brutally honest, De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald were, were horrendous on the perimeter, and so was Iman Shumpert. Iman Shumpert is supposed to be your defensive lock, your guy that, that provides that defensive presence consistently. Now, he did do a decent job against Tobias Harris for the most part. And Tobias Harris is, is capable of filling it up and only finished with 17 points, really did not get going too much early on. Uh, but even Iman Shumpert didn't look super sharp defensively from, from the perimeter. The Kings perimeter defense, we know they've been bad all year, and they looked even worse just because they were sluggish. They were slow, and they weren't uh, 100% in Well, we know they weren't in sync, and it didn't look like they were giving 100% effort. Uh, Doug Christie, and I absolutely love Doug Christie. He's a, a co-worker of mine on Sports 1140 KHDK. He's the uh, the color commentator for the Sacramento Kings working with Grant Napier. Uh, and he was talking on the TV broadcast a lot last night. Um, and a lot of the things he said all this season is that De'Aaron Fox is a, a elite defender. And I disagree with him to an extent. I think De'Aaron Fox has the capability of being an elite defender, and we saw that. I talked about it yesterday. The defense that he played against Conley in the final quarter uh, in the Kings win over the Grizzlies last week. De'Aaron Fox's defense was phenomenal, and De'Aaron Fox does give or, or have a lot of good or a good defensive track record. In the fourth quarter, in close games, he he clamps down when he needs to. But early on in games, the Kings have been, been getting torched from the perimeter, and a lot of that has to do with De'Aaron Fox not being able to stay in front of his man. Now, the Los Angeles Clippers, as a team in general, also set some of the best screens uh, in the NBA, and those quick guards are able to get around the big bodies uh, of Boban, of Montrez Harrell, of um, Gortat, who is, my in my opinion, the best screener in the NBA. He didn't even play. Uh, in last night's game. All these guys are very, very capable brick walls, really, that create enough separations for the guards to be effective. Then it's up to the the big men to help. And I understand Willie Cauley-Stein's help could be a lot better. Actually, I know his, his, his help defense could be a lot better, and you want to see him putting his hand up and contesting more shots than what he has, or than what he shows. I'm not excusing Willie Cauley-Stein by any means with his interior defense, or really lack thereof, 
at, at times in games. But I also understand that Willie Cauley-Stein, a majority of the time on the defensive end of the floor, is t- uh, put in a very tough spot where he has to make a decision. Sometimes he's left stranded under the rim, and if he jumps, he's not going to block a shot anyway, and more likely or not, being in the restricted area, will be called for a foul. Sometimes he has to make the 50-50 choice. Do I leave my man to go and try and stop uh, this man to help my guard recover? But then one quick pass, and my guy's wide open for a dunk, and that reflects poorly on me. Uh, it's a tough spot for not just Willie Cauley-Stein, but all the Kings bigs to be in. Nemanja Bialica faces it. Costa Kufos faces it. It's a lot of uh, of breakdown that begins on the perimeter, and then it puts your bigs on an island and forces them into a lot of tough spots. And in the NBA, in the 2018 scoring NBA, where we now have these freedom of movement uh, foul calls and, and, and plays, it's just a difficult spot. It's a very difficult spot for the bigs to be in. So I think had the if the guards would sharpen up their their defense on the perimeter, I think you would uh, see a sharper defensive presence and overall defensive game from the Kings bigs. Now I'm not blaming the Kings guards for the Kings big struggles cuz each and each of them have their own issues, but this team is not does not have good individual defenders on it. Willie Cauley-Stein is not a good individual defender. De'Aaron Fox is not a good individual uh, defender for the majority of the time. Buddy Heald's not a good individual defender. Nemanja Bielitsa is not a good individual defender. The only chance that this Kings team has at being a good defensive team or an adequate defensive team is when they play as a defensive unit, and we've really yet to see that for a full game this entire season. Now, that's also very difficult to do in the, in the modern NBA. I understand that. Teams are designed uh, to score a lot of points, to score quickly, and to break you down on both ends of the floor. So I get that. I understand that. Um, however, you just need to get more communication and more of a solid effort from the Kings because when they do give that effort, like we've seen in fourth quarters, they are capable of shutting teams down and playing solid defense. Buddy Heald, like I mentioned, his struggles. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, we've said a lot that that De'Aaron carries this team, and, and where the Kings team go, uh, goes De'Aaron goes, or sorry, where De'Aaron goes, this Kings team is going to go. And what I mean by that is if De'Aaron Fox is playing well, typically the Kings are doing well. If, if the Kings are winning games, typically it's because of a good showing by De'Aaron Fox. And that definitely is the case, but I would like to insert Buddy Heald's name uh, into, that, into that statement as well, because Buddy Heald's scoring is so essential for this Kings team, especially with guys like Marvin Bagley, who are uh, are still out. Now, I do have some news on Marvin Bagley. He's going to be reevaluated here in the coming days, and we'll find out uh, a more clear indication of his return, if his return is going to be more... Uh, uh, in the near future, or if he's going to be delayed a little bit more, I personally think, uh, now I haven't seen Marvin Bagley, uh, seen him work. I look forward to seeing him work uh, in pregame tonight against the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, but I haven't seen any indication that Marvin Bagley is going to be immediately cleared uh, following these couple days, although I am very hopeful that is the case because you can see how much the Kings need him on both sides of the floor, scoring off of the bench and defense and just a paint presence to handle someone like Montrez Harrell and and to match that kind of energy. The Kings just don't have that uh, with Marvin Bagley off of the floor, and Marvin Bagley was doing a lot better job scoring the basketball. Buddy Heald has had to pick up a lot of that load when he is not scoring 20 to 28 points a night. The Kings struggle. They suffer. And Buddy Heald, again, a bad shooting night, 0 of 6 from three-point range, only finished with 11 points, and that's the big difference in this King in this game. Um, you need Buddy Heald to be more of a offensive presence 
if you're going to win games when you're shorthanded. And now I'm not blaming Buddy Heald. It's okay for him to come back to earth sometimes because he's been playing out of his mind for the majority of this season, so I'm not blaming him for anything. I think Again, I think Avery Bradley and the Clippers overall played fantastic defense against him on back-to-back occasions, which isn't a coincidence. Uh, but if, if Buddy Heald's going to have a bad night, you need someone else offensively to step up in a major way. De'Aaron did all he could, but only finished with 19 points. And then you get 11 from Bielitsa, 11 from Cauley-Stein, 12 from Shumpert. Uh, it's just, and only 13 from Bogdan Bogdanovich off the bench. Let's put it this way. If Buddy Heald is not giving you those points, you need Bogdan to Bogdanovich to be giving you those points. And neither of them could really get going offensively as Bogey went only 5 of 12 from the field. So let's talk about this Kings run and end on a positive note. So the Kings are are down big. Uh, they didn't make a chance or make a game of it. Brought it to within ten with three minutes or with uh, or in the third quarter, and then the Clippers went right back on their run. Uh, Lou Williams hit a couple of big threes. Suddenly it was back up to seventeen, then back up to twenty, and Dave Yeager went to the bench with eight minutes remaining. In the fourth quarter, Kings bench comes in. Everybody thinks, okay, it's waving the right fl- uh, white flag. This game is all but over. And the Kings go on this massive, massive 27-3 run, really re- uh, led by Frank Mason, Ben McLemore, and Harry Giles. Now, Harry Giles played well, really, uh, in my opinion, turned a lot of heads and, and potentially earned himself minutes. However, there's one thing I have to bring up, and I'm not harping on the guy, but again, I have to bring it up. Five personal fouls in just 11 minutes of action. You want to know why Harry Giles is not finding consistent time on the floor? It's for that right there. Every single time Harry Giles plays and checks into a game, he gets into foul trouble very, very quickly. If you want someone to be playing... 20 minutes off of the bench. Harry Giles more more than likely right now can't provide that for you because he's going to foul out of the game in 15 16 minutes. That's consistently what he has been doing and what he is showing that he is that's a hump of his game that he's unable to get over as of right now and that's unfortunate because on the offensive side of the ball he can provide you with a spark just like we saw uh, with this bench unit now Frank Mason was also fantastic as well plus 14 for the game had uh, has six points off of the bench and put good pressure on the Clippers late was pushing the tempo and trying to play with a lot of effort Ben McLemore had 11 points on four of six shooting and went three of four from three-point range so he was great the Kings bench made the most of their minutes. They came in, established themselves, uh, and, and gave this Kings team a chance. And I am a hundred, a thousand, million percent okay with Dave Yeager keeping them in when they made it a three-point game, letting the bench ride it out, giving them the confidence, saying, you know what, you got us here. We're not going back to the starters. You got us here. You either win us this game or you lose this game. And that serves two purposes. One purpose I don't like. It's that you're saving the the starters to keep them fresh for the game tonight against the Los Angeles Lakers in Sacramento. I get that. I don't like it, especially for a team that's in the playoff race. But that's not uh, that's not the focus. The focus is that you got us here. You've been playing well. You made this run. It wasn't any of the starters. It was you. You This unit was effective on a night where really nobody else was effective consistently. So I'm going to let you try and close this game out. That's a coach showing confidence in a bench unit that, quite frankly, earned it. I mean, they earned it. They don't get much playing time. When they do come in, they make a game out of it. You lean on them. You let them close it out. uh, And uh, I'm A-OK with Dave Yeager doing that. Now, I know some people were frustrated and think that was bad coaching. They would have liked to see De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, and and the rest of the gang come back in and try and uh, complete the comeback and and finish what the bench started. I don't think that that sends a good message. Imagine, uh, let's put it into a... 
using an analogy for for a common workplace, right? You bust your ass working to to meet a deadline for a project that you're working on at work, and and and. The project looks like it's behind. You stay and you work overtime, extra hours, late nights to make sure you get this game or to get this project all to the brink of being finished. And your project manager, who's some big wig, can come in and finish it for you, but decides, you know what, I'm going to let you finish this and get the credit for it and turn it in. I mean, it's a bad analogy, but essentially that's that's the message that you're sending. If you're Dave Yeager, if you're the head honcho, if you're the boss, rather than going uh, to your your starters to put them right back into the game, to close the game out, uh, you allow your bench to, to try to finish what they started. Unfortunately, they couldn't get the job done, but I'm more than pleased with what I saw from that second unit. They deserve a hell of a lot of credit. Before we move on and talk about this Los Angeles Lakers game here briefly and preview this Lakers game here tonight, I have a clip from you from De'Aaron Fox uh, showing a lot of veteran wisdom. And this was him post-game last night talking about uh, regardless of a win or a loss, this Kings team is always focused on on next game and moving on uh, and getting ready. Even if the Kings had come back and completed that win and had been on high spirits, it would have been fun for the night, but then you got to get back to work, and, and back-to-backs are just part of an NBA season. Now, the Kings are playing uh, the Los Angeles Lakers tonight in Sacramento, and then they play the Los Angeles Lakers again in Los Angeles later on in the week during the weekend. Uh, so there, there's just no west uh, rest for the weary right now for this Kings team, and they recognize that they didn't have to play on Christmas, so they had some days off when the Lakers uh, and many other teams in the NBA didn't. So that's a blessing and a curse in its own right. Uh, so they have to handle these back-to-backs, especially when they're in a playoff race and they're playing teams that are all at or above them in the standings or at the same place that they are right now in the Western Conference. All these games are crucial. All these games are important, even though, yes, it's still in December and there's still so much of the season remaining. You're in a very tight playoff race, and based off of the standings uh, in the Western Conference, we have every indication that this is going to come down to the wire and maybe we're going to be seeing a lot of tiebreakers here for the 8th, 7th, and 6th seeds down the stretch. So these games have meaning early on, especially against not just conference rivals, but division rivals in L.A. De'Aaron Fox is aware of that, and he said as much following the game. I don't do anything special. I let this roll off my back. It's 82 games. You know, the way the West is, if we win, if we win this game, we'd have went to, what, fifth? You drop it, you go to 10th. You know, it's, you can't let, you know, a game like this dictate how you come out tomorrow. So I just, it's, it's, if we would have won this game, I would have let it go, you know, the same way that I'm going to let this go, you know, after this loss. You know, we play the Lakers tomorrow, and that's what we focus on. And focus is extremely important for these Kings tonight against the Los Angeles Lakers. They had a lack of focus early on against the Clippers, and it put them in too big of a hole that they couldn't overcome it. Now you look at the Lakers. Even though they're shorthanded, no LeBron James tonight. He injured uh, injured his groin on Christmas, so he is going to be out for a little while or a couple of games, it sounds like, although we'll learn more, I'm sure, in the near future. But definitely not playing tonight in Sacramento. And then you have no Rajon Rondo tonight. But you look at other pieces that the Lakers are bringing in. I mean, we know they have Kyle Kuzma, who's a more than capable scorer and offensive player who might get an opportunity to take over the game. You take LeBron out of the starting lineup, you insert Brandon Ingram, who's a very, very talented scorer and player. Uh, You have Lonzo Ball, and I know he has kind of a tongue-in-cheek scoff 
reputation here in Sacramento. I don't think he's nearly as good as De'Aaron Fox is, and that's showing. However, he is a capable player, especially on the defensive end of the floor. He's also a, a willing passer, someone who can lead the offense with LeBron James out. A lot of talent on this Los Angeles Lakers squad, so you can't see no LeBron or LeBron on the inactive report and think, okay, This is an easy win. We're at home. This is a breeze. Second night of a back-to-back, a team that's been solid for the majority of the season, a team that's beaten you already in your own building. You have to come in, and you have to be focused. Now, the Kings are starting to gain a reputation. We had some fun with it yesterday on the podcast of being a a comeback team, a team that plays with flair and is never out of it and always battles. Uh, But they've been falling too consistently here into big holes in the first half. They're back to getting off to some slow starts, especially defensively, and you need to see them tighten those bolts. And I don't care that it's the second night of a back-to-back. I really don't. To me, that's not a valid excuse For a young Kings squad, I know how fast they play. I know how difficult a travel schedule is. I get that, but that's not an excuse in the NBA to me. Strength of schedule is a conversation that I will have and that I will look at, and I recognize that the Kings have had a very difficult schedule for the most part through the majority of the start of this season. But guess what? Welcome to the NBA. You're in a very, very talented Western Conference where there's literally only one bad team. You are in the thick of a playoff race right now. And like I said earlier, these games matter. They could have tiebreaker implications. These could be games that you come down to the wire and you see at the end if the Kings miss the playoffs by two, three spots. These are very winnable opportunities. Man, the Kings lost to the Los Angeles Lakers without LeBron James In Sacramento, boy, that could have been a big game that the Kings could have used to get themselves to that eighth seed or to insert themselves into the playoffs. These games matter in a major way. I cannot emphasize that more. So the Kings coming out flat, coming out tired, to me that's not an excuse, especially with the fact that the Kings uh, starters rested for the remaining eight or so minutes of that game. Now, eight minutes, it's not monumental by any means. It's certainly not them resting the entire game like they rested uh, in the loss in Minnesota. But they should, in my opinion, be more than ready to come out of the gate to establish themselves. You know there's going to be a good energy. You know there's going to be a good crowd out there uh, with the Los Angeles Lakers and the Kings playing, regardless of if LeBron uh, is getting some run or not. It's going to be a good atmosphere. The energy is going to be there. The Kings just have to bring it themselves on both ends of the floor. Get yourself going early offensively, and then once you build an early lead, maintain it and hold it. We haven't seen the Kings do that very well uh, this season when they have gotten off to good starts. Uh, So there's just a lot of expectations that I have for tonight's game. I'm not going to go as far as to say this is a must-win, but this certainly would be a brutal, brutal loss at home against the short-handed Lakers squad, especially if the King starters look sluggish and don't have it and really fold this game early uh, when they shouldn't. So I'm expecting big things from the Kings tonight. I'm expecting a win from this Kings team tonight, and I don't think I'm too uh, uh, I'm too out of left field for, for expecting that and for saying that. So if you feel the same way, let me know, at MattGeorgeKHDK on Twitter. You can also email me, mgeorge at sacklocalmedia.com. What are your expectations for this Kings game here tonight? What do you think uh, is the biggest uh, indicator 
of a King's success or King's failure? Is it De'Aaron Fox? Is it Buddy Heald? Uh, what do you need to see from this King's team right out of the gate to to establish this King's team is going to be the, the better team or in control for the majority of the night? What is it that you need to see? You can let me know right now. Uh, begin that conversation on social media or over email, and I will do everything I can as always, to respond to you. I also will be hosting Kings pregame tonight from the Golden One Center up on the concourse, top of section 110 by the Tower Records sign. You can uh, come on by and say hi. I'll be up there hosting live on KHDK from 5.30 to 6.30. So if you're driving in, please do tune in, get a little bit more of me if that's what you would like. And you can also call in and be a part of the show live and interact with me live there. If you're at the game or at the arena early and you want to come by and say hi, I would love to meet you. Uh, so please do that. Take advantage of that. If you're coming to the game tonight, bring your uh, all the purple you can muster and bring your voice. Be loud. Let's cheer and, and, and uh, blow these Laker fans that you know are going to show up. Uh, blow them out of the water and make sure it's clear that this is not Staples Center North. This is Golden One Center. This is where the Sacramento Kings play, and this is a, a crowd hungry and desperate for a Sacramento Kings playoff push, and the Kings are in that conversation here heading into 2019, which is a phenomenal, phenomenal feeling. Have yourself a great night. Look forward to interacting with you, seeing you at the game. or chatting with you about this Kings-Lakers game here. We'll be back tomorrow to break down this game and more, so be sure to tune in for that. Also have a conversation coming later this week about the growth of De'Aaron Fox and the growth of Buddy Heald and which one, in your opinion and in my opinion, is more impressive and more and stands out more for this Kings squad. We'll be doing that later on in the week, so be sure to join me for that. Until next time, my name is Matt George. Thank you for tuning in to the Locked On Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.